The following program is a part of the Movie Morgue Network. I've already been dead for such a very, very long time. But I've come back to bring you news of the most gruesome twosome ever produced. Film Podcast. This is a spoiler podcast. And now, your hosts, Tim S. Turner and Kelly Hogamu. Hello and welcome back to Beauty the Beast and the Bees. We've got plenty of things to help you through your social distancing this month. First up, we rub that lamp and make a wish on our trip to Fantasy Island. Next, we cast our lines looking for horny mermaids in Lure. And finally, we fluff up our perms and sharpen our throwing stars for Ninja 3 The Domination. But before we get to all that, please help me welcome back to the microphone my co-host and the founder of the B-Movie BFFs website, Kelly Hogaboom. Hey, good afternoon, Tim. Hello. Um, so, since we last spoke in the uh, last episode, obviously we're all uh, in lockdown now. So, <clears throat> the, the, the Fantasy Island pick is from February, um, which means I, I, I think at this point, probably pretty soon, it should be on, on demand uh, pretty quickly, I would assume. Um, but, uh, what, what are some of the things you've been watching at home during this wonderful time? <laughs> uh, it's funny. I think we're having a very different experience, Tim, because I have been watching even less stuff. I have been working. <laughs> yes, I've been working a lot. So I know everybody's quarantine experience is different. Um, and some people are sitting at home binging, but, um, I did have a really fun experience watching Ad Astra. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> and I actually... I came to really love that film. I don't know if you know anything about it. I remember when I was watching it, you and I were chatting a little bit. Mm-hmm. But um, it's one of the rare times I got my husband to watch with me. And he was he was bitching the whole time. He said, this, <laughs> this whole movie is just Brad Pitt looking sad. That doesn't like, sound like Ralph at all. I was like, because uh, <laughs> it really literally, if, if you think 2001, A Space Odyssey is kind of a navel-gazing like torturously long film ad astra is like hold my tang <laughs> right like there are like <laughs> they go full bore with that but i ended up really liking it it's very slow very introspective space drama um and i also started watching season three of the sinner 
Mm-hmm. So I know you know that I like The Sinner, and I'm yeah. I'm in the middle of season three, and I'm annoyed by it. Um, <laughs> and I um, started watching Hunters, which is the Nazi revenge fantasy right. set in the, the 77 New York. And it's kind of comic booky. I honestly think you might like it. And I also think it's the first time Al Pacino has done television. Um, and he's, yeah, I think so. Yeah, and he's doing fine in it. Like it's fine. It's um, I would love to someday talk about the show with someone because it's an interesting show. And the the last thing that I'm in the middle of is Man in the High Castle, which is another one that I don't think you are interested in. But um, I I am kind of enjoying Man in the High Castle, and I'm like halfway through it. I, I'm just curious to hear how it ends. Yeah. Me too, and I'm. You know what? It's one of those things where I don't want to say that I'm watching it on Twitter because some bozo will come in there and sure, you know. And <laughs> I'm so good about avoid avoiding spoilers. Um, I, I can't believe Abraham Lincoln came and exactly, stopped the Nazis. That's exactly right. So <laughs> I, I just because Man in the High Castle is a very much a sci-fi show, and so yeah. I know that kind of anything could happen, and so I'm kind of not. I'm keeping it close to the chest, but. Um, yeah, so I guess some sci-fi and drama, you know, just a lot of murder. You know how I am. I like I like murder. So, you know, that's, that's what <laughs> I've been up to. Yeah. I was going to say, I didn't really hear any anything about any uh, bleak middle-aged guys solving murders. Um, I guess I, I handed <laughs> off the old uh, Valhalla murders to you. How did you do with that one? Oh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't make it through the third episode. Uh, well. I was like, when is something going to happen? Oh, my God. I mean, I didn't, I mean, okay, the, the lead the lead woman, I, I, I actually kind of like her. Mm-hmm. I thought she was good. Um, but it's, uh, I don't know. There are so many of the contrivances that you've got to have with these kind of things where it's like, okay, you know, she's worked really hard and she's going to, you know, she's going for that promotion to captain, I think. And, oh, no, they give it to that bitch next door, you know, who just came in, you know, and she's a, she's a really mean, horrible person. And so, of course, she's going to hamper the investigation the entire way. And it's just, uh, I, I don't know. I really, really wanted to like it. Um, well, we've talked about yeah. this. There. That that Scandinavian or even kind of Western European noir, those are a dime a dozen now, right? Like, yeah. And there's some that are legitimately quite good, and like like, like the killing is great. I like the killing. I also like Fortitude. Holy shit, I loved Fortitude. And I haven't that, seen that one. Oh, it's it's like the it's like if X Files made a good episode. <laughs> like it's <laughs> and it's really long and it's got some amazing star talent like Dennis Quaid and um, Stanley Tucci, whom I adore. Mm. Um, anyway, I loved Fortitude. The Tucci is loose. Yeah, the Tucci is loose. Um, but <laughs> but there's just so many others that are just so drab and they're just so bleak and that's all they've got going for them and so um, I'm like you I start those like mad and then I bail you know <laughs> well you, you, well okay you know me I love hinterland I know you don't like it um, but uh, I I loved that show I, I really liked um, Wallander mm-hmm. the which uh, one well I saw the Brano one and I'm looking to start the original okay. one okay. To, you know, to kind of maybe do a little compare and contrast. Um, uh, the Brano one, they really 
it was beautifully shot. Uh, you know, the, the landscapes and everything were really just um, <clears throat> beautiful, beautiful to look at. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, that, that Valhalla murders, boy, holy moly, what a what a slog that was! Mm-hmm. And I just, I, I don't even know if I if if I even give a shit who the killer is. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> just, I don't know. I mean, it, you know what's funny is that like so far the plot of it, because it seems like okay, these murders are centered around this this boarding school or or adoption agency or what was it like a foster home? I, I didn't watch it, dude. <laughs> like I didn't even start it. Oh, I thought you did. No, I was like, I was like, Netflix is trying to get me to watch this, and I ain't gonna. And you were like, I'll try a taste. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Well, basically, what you guys, you've got these serial killings of people getting murdered, and uh, it seems like they're connected to this this uh, orphanage. Okay. Okay, and they keep showing us this photograph of this one of the classes of the kids you know like with the kids and the instructors and stuff and kind of giving the impression that this is going to be a clue down the road that we're going to zoom in on one of the faces at at, you know in episode seven (laughs) of the seven episode series and it'll be that's the person you know kind of thing um the funny part of it is it really feels like almost like it's the exact same story as the first episode of Hinterland. Oh, okay, which I, Except I barely it was actually remember. interesting. Right, right. And they <laughs> they accomplished it in one episode, right, instead of one yes. season, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, well, their, their episodes, uh, that show was like, it was almost like each one was almost two hours long or something, so it was like an hour and 45 or whatever. But yeah, uh, they, they, they wrapped that up in one nice, clean, easy episode. Um so uh, for me, I've gotten some stuff in the mail here. Uh, I got the Al Adamson Dracula versus Frankenstein Blu-ray, which, if you've ever seen this thing, it is one of the worst films of all time. And uh, for some reason, I just I love it so much. It's just <laughs> so cheap and cruddy um, <laughs> and low rent. I mean, poor Lon Chaney Jr. This is like his last film appearance. Uh, before he succumbed to alcoholism and various other things, uh, and he looks just horrible in it. Uh, and J. Carroll Nash plays Doctor Frankenstein, or at least the modern <clears throat> equivalent. Um, you know, you've got his lab that's in a, a basement, and <laughs> uh, <clears throat> the the guy who plays Dracula is hysterical looking. He's got this huge uh 70s fro with with a big old fu manchu goatee thing going on and uh it's just it's an embarrassment all around highly recommended uh i got this um one i i I was watching actually last night um it's a 2001 slasher film called shredder yeah i saw you posted a picture on that one yes it's um it's very similar to an 80s slasher that was known as iced uh with a bunch of skiers up in a snow lodge and there's some guy in a a, a ski mask uh you know killing everybody off it it actually has some decent gore i'm kind of puzzled as to why it didn't make it to a theater because it's actually pretty decent really wow it's not I mean, let me get this straight. Yeah, no, I know what you it's, mean. <laughs> it's decent for a slasher. Right, it's not, right. we're, we're not talking uh, about, uh, you know, a Terrence Malick film. It, right. It's it, it's just, it, you know, it's fun junk. Um, and the other one I got is uh, Silent Scream with uh, Barbara Steele and Cameron Mitchell. 
and Yvonne DiCarlo and the amazing Avery Schreiber, mm. who I didn't know he ever did anything that wasn't comedy. Okay. So, so seeing him in this with that huge friggin' mustache and that hair and everything was just great. Um, it, it, you know, it's no super great shakes as a film. It, it's entertaining just because of the cast more than anything else, I think. Um, <clears throat> and I've pretty much been binging on lots and lots of... Uh, British murder mysteries, whether gotcha. it's Midsummer Murders, I'm re I'm rewatching all of Death in Paradise again, and uh, um, I I think I'm slowly but surely easing into my 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 middle aged uh, viewing habits. <laughs> like, oh honey, look, Midsummer Murders is on. Well, that's you know, so. And I won't go on at any length, but I've watched a lot of British uh, period dramas lately. Um, so I watched, you know, Dr. Thorne and I watched Howard's End and I watched, um, oh, what was it? I watched one of the Jane Eyre's. I've seen a lot of Jane Eyre's. They've done a lot of Jane Eyre's. Mm. I'm sure you've never seen one. And Oh, um, I have. Okay. And then they've got my a show that if anyone listening, if any of our three listeners likes British period pieces... <laughs> Gentleman Jack. I cannot... It's one of the best dramas I've seen in a long time. But kind of like you're saying with your murder mysteries, there's something about putting on some Jane Austen adaptation and just kind of like like, like floating into my sleep coma. And, yeah. and my husband will lean over and pause the, the thing and I'll like wake up and I'm like... I'm not really. <laughs> like, it's like... It's like... It's like so soporific and I love it. And I, it's so weird because I used to do that with Midsummer Murders specifically because I've seen every episode so many times, right? <laughs> so, well, yeah, I actually that's just it. I finally um, caught up now on season twenty. Uh huh. So I, I, I'm all caught up now, waiting for season twenty one. Um, <laughs> I, I can't believe I've watched every episode of that show. Yeah, and not not just once, Tim. I mean, um... no, I've watched I I've watched a, over and over. I mean, but I mean, I you know, I finally had to be, catch up. But yeah, and it, you know, and like other stuff that the Brits put out. I mean, it's like an like you know feature length. Yeah, each episode. I so that's it. a lot of watching. It is a lot. It's a lot of time that we have. Um, let's not say wasted that we have invested. Um, by the way, I have to tell you. Did you ever watch Father Ted? Um, a friend of mine is really, really into Father Ted, and uh, I've never been able to see it. I've never. I mean, I, actually, it's on. I think it's on BritBox now, so I yes. might be able to. I. It is an incredibly lightweight comedy, which is not your scene. However, if you have any interest in Irish like culture, I mean, it is such a phenomenon for. You know, the Irish, and it's, it's, mm -hmm. I loved it. I watched it about two months ago, and I just love it. Like, I'm fanatically in love with Father Ted. It's such a weird show, but <laughs> the reason I bring it up is Ardell O'Hanlon is, yes, yes, I have the hots for him big time from Father Ted, which if you watch it, you're going to think something is very wrong with me. Um, <laughs> but I believe he was, he's the most recent, he just left Death in Paradise. Is that correct? Yes, he yeah. did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which bummed me out because uh, I just really started getting, uh, you know, getting used to him being there and right. I really liked him. Right. Uh, one of the things that Death in Paradise has done so well 
Uh, by the way, his episodes, he's still on the show for us in America. The Brits have seen him leave already. Okay. Uh, we haven't. He's still got about three quarters of a season to go, because I think he leaves at about the three-quarter mark in the new season, and the new guy comes in. <clears throat> um, the, the thing I liked about him, uh, Death in Paradise, each time they bring in a new lead guy... They, they give them a different personality right. so they don't all feel the same. And I liked him, and you'll love this, because they made him basically like Irish Columbo. <laughs> okay. <laughs> as far as, like, his demeanor and the way he handles people and stuff. Okay. It really felt like, like um, O'Hanlon had watched a bunch of Columbo and said, yeah, that's, what I, that's the way I want to go as far as the characterization. Well, if... If, I don't know if you'll caught into Father Ted, but I freaking love it. And if anyone is listening and ever wants to chat about it, I love it. And Ardell O'Hanlon plays an absolute... I don't even know how to describe the character he plays, but to call him like a dumbass would be a over... I mean, he plays this absolute ditz of a, of a priest. Absolute ditz. And he is so freaking funny. And so I was wondering with Death in Paradise, I'm like, is that a comedic role that he's playing? Like, I don't know. Because I, I can only yeah. see him as the character from Father Ted. <clears throat> yeah, Death in Paradise is a, is, is a very uh, oh, lightweight. Oh, I've seen it. I've seen it. I just haven't. Yeah. I've only seen one. I think I saw up to where the first guy got killed off. Oh, and they yeah, brought in Chris Marshall. Yeah, I think I watched like two Chris Marshall episodes before I bailed. Yeah, he's been there. Chris Marshall was there the longest. He was okay. there for four seasons. Um, you know, the first guy, uh, only two. And then I guess we got three out of uh, O'Hanlon. Uh, basically, what I've been reading is it's really, really hard on them doing that show because it's all filmed on location. Mm-hmm. And it's just brutally hot and humid all the time. Yeah. And so the the producers try and sign whoever comes on for like a, a three year deal, so they know they've at least got them established there for a while. Um, uh, and I'm not real familiar with this new guy that they have coming in. Although I think I may have seen him in something, but he 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 comes off very slapsticky. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, with that character, oh, I, you know what? I forgot. I also got the the new Blu-ray collection of the uh, the third Sylvester McCoy seasons of uh, of Doctor Who. Boy, the, whoever uh, the people putting those together do such a great job. Those are beautiful packages. Um, nice. Um, I don't know how your apartment fits all of your collection. You it really crowd. doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, yeah, it's getting crowded. Yeah, I, it's like you know, I look around and I go, hmm. There's some precious keepsakes, some photos of family. Ah, oh, those can go. <laughs> I got more comics to put there. Um, yeah, it, my place is packed to the gills for the most part. So, yeah. um, let's see. Make sure. All right. So uh, let's get to our feature film of the month. Let's get right into it. Uh, you know, uh, making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Wouldn't you? Sometimes you want to go where everybody does cocaine, and they're there to place the blame. You want to be where you can see the buildings are all aflame. You want to be, uh, uh, 
Okay, look, the premise you already know. Folks come to an exotic location and try to make their dreams come true. This being 2020, there's a dark side you didn't expect. This ain't Disneyland, and this sure ain't your father's fantasy island. Congratulations to each of you on winning the contest, and welcome to Fantasy Island. So, what's your fantasy? The island hailers each fantasy specifically to the guest. Your life is about to change forever. I hope you're ready. How the island does what it does is a mystery. It brought her back to life. So, what's your fantasy? Revenge on a childhood bully. The most popular girl in school was my tormentor. Let's have some fun. Oh my god, that's really her. This is not what I meant! The island is twisting our fantasies. We were brought here to be a part of something else. Once a fantasy begins, you must see it through. So now we're we're talking about a film that came out uh, three months ago, okay. two months ago. Okay. <laughs> so hopefully uh, you'll be able to remember something about it. <laughs> I I do. I've just rewatched it. Oh, you did? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I. <clears throat> yeah. So fresh in my mind. <laughs> so actually, so it was actually pretty fun. Yeah, you know. Um, I went into it, and my whole mindset was, okay, this is going to be garbage. So let's at least, you know, see what we can get out of it. And I was actually fairly entertained. I mean, look, I'm not going to say that it wasn't pretty paint-by-numbers. You know, I, I, I think that if you've got even like, um, uh, you know, a... a basic understanding of mystery plot structure you can pretty much figure out what's going on i i totally disagree i think it had a lot of plot twists and i saw there were a lot of surprises in it i felt like really? oh yeah like oh i pre i predicted everything in this <laughs> i have a i have a hard time believing that you predicted sloan's um character arc um oh you, you mean um uh, what, uh, what's her friggin' name? Why am I blanking on her name? The actress, Portia Doubleday. I don't know her from anything. Oh, uh, a slow, oh the one who was like uh, uh, chained up and getting electrocuted and everything. Yeah, so the beginning of the film, you know, she's running through, you know, she's being pursued, she gets attacked. Yeah. And every other sort of horror, this this felt like it was going to be something like a slasher and it and it didn't end up being one at all. But that yeah. first scene was very slasher, very, you know, first victim. Well, it felt like like hostile or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, in fact, that's the kind of film I thought we were in for. And mm -hmm. um, what they ended up doing with her, because first of all, you think she's dead for sure. And then, then you see that she's going to be a victim. And just what they did with her character, I did not find that predictable whatsoever. Um, I felt like there were a lot of plot twists and... They were pretty cute plot twists that, you know, nothing wild, nothing whatever. And then the last 20 minutes, it really fell apart um, in terms of <laughs> a twist upon a twist, right? And so at that point, unfortunately, I was kind of like, eh. But no, I, I actually, um, I thought it was a little more fun. 
And I also felt like it was way less mean spirited than I than I thought it was going to be. Right. Like, I think I really thought people were going to be getting hacked up, <laughs> like left and right. So, but, Well, now, did you ever watch Fantasy Island on TV? No, I only know it by, you know, I know Ricardo Montalban. I know about yeah. Tattoo, The Plane. Yeah. But of course not. I didn't have TV growing up. Uh, well, I, I just didn't know if you'd seen any, like, reruns or anything. on. Oh, no. Uh, no, no, I grew up with that, because, like, Saturday night, Saturday night on ABC was Love Boat followed by Fantasy Island. So I watched all that Aaron Spelling junk, and, um, <laughs> uh, you know, okay, like I said, I, I think th- this movie, I would classify this as just breezy junk food entertainment yeah it, don't go into this looking like thinking oh man this is really gonna you know affect my life and 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 because it's not it i, I personally like i know the uh, my friend that you met when we we met up there right. she went with me and, and saw it and so like she could testify to the fact that the whole time i was going okay now this is going to happen okay now that person's in on it <laughs> it drove her nuts <laughs> Uh, like like uh, Lucy Hale's character. I mean, yeah. I, I I picked up on from from the very beginning that that she was behind everything, and that annoyed the crap out of me. Yeah, that um, was a, that was like a pretty weak. The whole like okay, the whole the whole end story of what's happened there is ludicrous because the whole the whole thing is a big setup upon a setup. Where she is getting yeah. revenge on all of these bit players who, you know, were instrumental in her boyfriend getting killed. Sort of. Yes, <laughs> sort of. And and that's the thing is like, how would she even have known? And you know what I mean? Like, there yeah. were, like there's there were several bit players. She wouldn't have known that they were involved. It was it was goofy. Like that that was well. Know. And and the thing is, okay, like you you have the big. It, it, it's very much like a um, um, a James Bond villain giving their big speech, right? You know, like <laughs> you've fallen into my trap. Now let me tell you my elaborate plan. You know, and and she goes in this whole thing about like, okay, I met this guy, and um, you know, I, I finally found a connection, and and this and that, and then he was supposed to meet me for a date, and then he died, and I'm like, okay, so let me get this straight. You orchestrated this huge. In elaborate plot, and oh, and by the way, in what way did you know that the magic on the island was real? Right, right. <laughs> so it would help your plan. But um, you 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 engineer this elaborate plot over a a date with someone you've met once. Well, that was part of the implication. They were saying she was unbalanced and a stalker. That's what they were saying. Yeah, but I mean, it was just like. <clears throat> That, it, I don't know. It just, that that was just absolutely ridiculous. I I, I could not believe how dumb yeah. <laughs> the explanation was. But <clears throat> uh, we're watching it, and they, remember, they, they, okay, you have the the two um, uh, brothers. Yeah. You know, um, played by Ryan Hansen and Jimmy Yang, and they're um, they're wacky party bros. You know, and they're and they're uh, constantly, uh, you know, kind of razzing each other. And at one point, you see that he's got tattoos 
And I was like, oh, God, he's not Tattoo, is he? So there you go. See, that, that went over my head because I don't know the original show. And it wasn't until the very end when they called him Tattoo that I was like, oh, that's right. That was what his name was. Like, I, Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was just like they, they were trying so hard to cram the Tattoo thing in there. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. We've got Mr. Rourke. We really didn't need Tattoo. I didn't feel like Mr. Rourke was too great in this. Like, I know you love Michael Pena. And, oh, I do. Yeah, I just, he, his character didn't, uh, it's like, okay, is he benevolent? Is he sinister? Does he have a personality? No, like, it just was like not coming together. Um, I mean, he, he was fine. I I liked him, but he felt miscast to me. Yeah, it was a it was an odd choice because um, he doesn't have that mysterious vibe. <laughs> like he does, he no. literally seems like a guy you would know, right? Like yeah, but, he was so great, you know, in the two Ant Man movies. Yes, I know you and, loved him in that. Yes. Yeah, and I, I just he he does feel really miscast. I mean, he tries hard. Uh, you know, to to do kind of like the mysterious glances. And... Yeah, but it's not. But who can compete with Macar- Ricardo Montalban though? Like it, it can't. Be well, that. yes. Yeah. So. Uh, and... With with the rich Corinthian leather. Yes. Yes. Um, but you know, uh, and we had our friend Michael Rooker. I know that both you and I love Michael Rooker. Yes. And he plays this crazy old coot, which you find out. Um, He's been on the island for like three weeks or something, and you're like, "Wait, why?" Yeah. <laughs> like, he looks like he's been there for ten years. Yeah, I assumed. I assumed he'd been there for a decade. Or yeah, yeah. he's got all the his hair is all wild and his yeah. beard, his clothes are all ragged. Yeah. I'm like, oh, he's only been there three weeks. What the hell? <laughs> and okay, that, and he's like, he's like, let's get this, you know, get to this plane. And I'm like, well, then why didn't you leave earlier? Like, I, there was no explanation for why he. Yeah, he was trapped there, quote unquote trapped. So, yeah, it's it's funny. Like we're sitting here, we're we're, we're ripping this apart, but I was entertained by I it. I was too. I was. Too. I, I, <laughs> well, I did like the fact that like every time like 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 oh they killed off all these characters and they came back to life like zombies. Uh huh. I, I don't really understand why. <laughs> no. But, but they did. <laughs> well, <laughs> was it the same black stuff that we saw in Black Christmas? It was the same mm-hmm. the same black goo. Um, yeah, because they would like drool this black right. goop. And then Mag- we had Maggie Q, and mm-hmm. she was a bit of a stereotype because she was the businesswoman who was sad that she hadn't had a family, which I'm like, boo. But yeah, she um, sacrificed it all. Yeah, but she was, you know, she was the sweetheart of the film. So, <clears> like, for at least a third of the film, I was expecting these fairly likable characters because they all were fairly likable. Um, yeah. Except Lucy Hale, like you say, but she was, you know, clearly cast as a shit heel. But um, I kept <laughs> expecting we were they're going to die these gruesome. I was definitely expecting hostile, um, and I don't know why. I mean, maybe it's the poster that has a goddamn skull on it. <laughs> like I thought, we were... <laughs> yeah, the island looked yeah. like a skull. So it was it was a horror film, but only in the most mild sense, I think. Yeah. Um... <sighs> Trying to think, uh, yeah, you know, it, 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 what I would say to people is, if you're in the mood for just something that's very light and doesn't challenge you, <laughs> and you just want some kind of like a goofy, fun little film, I, then it, it it fits the bill. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I'm probably gonna give it like a six, and even that's pretty generous. But it's one of those movies. It's hard to, 
even though I've seen a lot of really terrible reviews for it, it's hard to hate it. Yeah, yeah. Because it's handsomely mounted. It looks great. Uh, Everybody tries. You know, (laughs) it's not like you've got people who are just kind of, you know, phoning it in. Everybody feels like they're really invested in it. It just, it just feels kind of uninspired and flat. Yeah, I would say um, I I appreciated that it was it relied on a clever humor. The humor was okay. The humor is going to probably still look pretty good in ten years. It wasn't too dated. Um, mm-hmm. Likable characters, and it just it didn't rely on body count. Because some of these films, I'm just, like, high body count usually makes me less invested in a film because you just get desensitized. Um, So I'm going to give it a six or five. And I honestly would give it a much higher score if they would have been more clever with the the twists because because they really did have some good twists in the first, like, two-thirds of the film. But then the last bit, it just fell apart to standard corny um horror and so yeah like i I don't want to get too deep on the movie but i did like it just like you i had a good time i was not bored watching this movie oh and it goes by like like that you know it's i don't even know is it 90 minutes i'm not sure Uh, i feel like it was like an hour and a half yeah i think um, everything we watched um was about an hour and a half Oh, you know what? I'm looking at uh, on IMDb and it says it's an hour and 49 minutes. Oh, okay. So it was almost It felt hours. like it was only like 85. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, good pacing um, yeah, for the most part. Know. Yeah. Yeah, so it was fine. Uh, <clears throat> uh, what an endorsement. Um, <laughs> so once again, it's time to wander into the dark recesses of your local abandoned video store for this month's picks. Um, Kelly, why don't you get us started? I will. Underage cannibalistic mermaid siblings singing, dancing, and stripping in a seedy Krakow nightclub. What could possibly go wrong? In 2015's fantasy horror musical The Lure, aquatic siren sisters Sister and Golden venture up on land for the first time and are press-ganged into singing background vocals for a pop electronica ensemble. Problem is, Golden's vampiric urges aren't abating, and Silver's got a crush on the blonde bassist cutie. Will our lissom ladies escape the treacheries of puberty, the immigrant sex trade, and various and sundry fuckboys? Stay safe, stay dry on land, and watch out for the lure. Zawrót głowę, 
Powell. Might be our first our first synopsis with with the word fuckboys. It won't be our last. <laughs> okay, first I gotta say, okay, now this was you you picked this, and I remember looking it up, and I was like, what in the holy crap did she just like have me involved with? Uh, this movie is really fucking weird. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it it you got the the blonde and then the brunette. Um, and let me. By the way, I'm not saying the character names because they're all over the place, and a lot of them are hard to pronounce. I mean, yes, yeah, it's silver and golden. Um, so I, I'm using generic terms. <laughs> um, so they 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 are there in Krakow. They come out of the water. They decide they want to be human, and be in a a a, a singing group, and <clears throat> uh. Then I believe it's Golden is interested in the guy. No, that's Silver. Silver? Okay. And Golden's pissed and jealous that this is happening. And she even goes so far as to get her entire lower torso sawed off in a fairly interestingly gruesome sequence and have legs and a vagina sewed onto her. Because otherwise, she, she they look like Barbie dolls. They even say that they're like smooth like Barbie, you know. And I, it, it, there's not really I wouldn't say there's a plot per se. It just kind of like here's the situation, and she's really into this dude, and that's pretty much it. Like with a bunch of musical numbers sprinkled in there, uh, a lot of uh, you know almost like kind of like '80s pop electronica stuff um i think you know first of all the movie looks beautiful yeah it's really beautifully shot uh and the effects in it are are uh top notch um i think my one real issue with it is it 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 feels like it doesn't know what it wants to be um is it a horror film is it a fantasy is it a musical is it a comedy is it a romance it's it, it it it's it kind of you know fishtails <laughs> um, back and forth um, between different genres and different tones, and for me that kind of hurts it in the end. Yeah, I felt like it very much was a story. I mean, it was almost a direct lifting of the original Hans Christian Andersen, the the Little Mermaid which I don't know if you know the original story. Um, and we have a few contemporary editions, which one is that there's two mermaids um, that show up. And the second contemporary 
uh, theme is the immigrant sex trade because that is what these girls are definitely representing. They're they're right. pick, picked up and exploited. Um, so you have the sort of you know tragic romance of Hans Christian Andersen um, with you know the mermaid. She falls in love with the guy, and he's he's a he's a fuck boy, right? He's he's not he's not in it. Uh, he's happy to take some mermaid booty, but he's not going to commit. And he marries someone else, and she has to decide if she's going to kill him and survive or if she's going to let herself dissolve into sea foam. I mean, that is literally the, the Hans Christian Andersen story. But we have the addition of Golden, the sister who is, she's way more comfortable with being a cannibal. <laughs> like she, she's not, I Apparently. guess they're not really cannibals because they're eating humans and you know, yeah. but, but they're vampires or whatever. They, they rip people apart and eat them. And that's kind of funny. The whole movie the bassist, uh, Mytek or whatever his name is, I, I'm sure I'm pronouncing it wrong. I'm like, I'm like, listen, dude, you got to watch out for that other sister. <laughs> like the whole movie, I was like, <laughs> I was like, she's, she's like, eh. so yeah, sure enough, it it ends the way that um, you probably could predict by the end. And uh, boy, I, you know, I have to say, I don't like musicals. Um, and, yeah, I'm not a fan. Yeah, and I have a lot of friends who are in... I mean, I've been in musicals on stage. Like, I, Ralph and I, we perform in, you know, one or two a year. But I don't really care for them. And I have friends who are in theater, and they are kind of like, shame on you, why don't you like musicals? <laughs> and I'm not sure why I don't. I think part of it is that in a lot of musicals, you'll have this big frickin' musical number that goes on for six minutes, but it's just stating like the simplest plot premise, right? It just mm. it, it's literally like here's the here's the scene where they're falling in love, so we're gonna have a six minute pop song, and I'm just like I I don't want to hang out for that. <laughs> like I don't want to watch that. I don't want to <laughs> listen to that. Um, that said, I, I think the music was very beautiful in this film. It was it was it was pretty good. Um, I mean, I don't think I'm gonna be listening to it, but uh, it was. Um, and I, I will say the movie had a really strong start uh, mm -hmm. with the, you know, they're in the water and they sit, start singing that song. And it's like, you have nothing to fear. We won't eat you, dear. <laughs> right. Like, and, yeah. you know, then then it kind of morphs into the nightclub scene with the cover of I Feel Love. And like the movie had this tremendous start. And then it just kind of became an, a musical, which to me is such a hard it's so hard for me to like one. I'm trying to think of one that I've liked, and I'm coming up. Well, it, it, it's it's doubly difficult when it's a musical with with, with subtitles. You're right you because like I was <laughs> I was struggling to keep up with some of the lyrics. Yeah, because they they're sort of not phrased in ways that are easy to understand. Um, sure. So I'm like I'm like, and there was a lot going on on screen. Like you said, it was a very beautiful film, and so it was kind of taxing, <laughs> like to watch. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the thing, okay, watching it, because I, I, I watched this uh, two nights ago, and while I, I actually, I actually kind of liked the music in it, I didn't really feel, for the most part, the majority of the music in it is the stuff sung on stage, right? And I know that there's, you know, some semblance of connection to the actual story, but for the most part, they felt like you almost could have taken all those out. Yeah, because like, for instance, do you remember the scene where all the band, so there's this band that has taken these 
young mermaids, you know, yes. under their wing. And the band knows that they're mermaids, and so does the creepy nightclub owner. And yeah. and they yeah. exploit the girls sort of sexually on stage. And I would say the audience doesn't really know that they're mermaids. They think it's like a trick, right? That's kind of what I got right. from it. Anyway, so the band is somewhat protective, but mostly just exploiting these girls, right? There's a whole musical number where the the band members are dead, and some woman comes in and starts singing yeah. about poison. Mm -hmm. And I do not know what that was saying. I don't, because they weren't dead. They all got up at the end of the song. What the fuck was that saying? Like, I have yeah, no I, idea. I, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I Now that you mentioned that, I do remember, I actually am here looking at my notes. And like, yeah, what was that about? <laughs> or the scene where the cop, the 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 cop comes to bust Golden and they end up having a sexual relationship. There's a lot of sex in this. Um, mm -hmm. They end up having a sexual relationship. Where do, what are they, where do they go with that? That didn't seem to have a point. Maybe it's a translation issue that did occur to me as we were watching. Like we, yeah, we, maybe I mean, we that... weren't getting some of the full. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can, I can see that. Um, was, when did this come out? Uh, this came out, what, 20... 2015. 2015, so... Um, just hold on, let's see. Okay. Uh, I just ha I had to look up the actresses because, I'll be honest with you, from the very beginning of the movie, I was extremely uncomfortable that I was looking at underage actresses nude. Uh, were they underage? And they were not. Right. Just look, but they yeah. both looked like they're, like, 15. Yeah, they definitely do. And I was like, oh, are they going to be naked the whole time? And yes, they pretty are much, for pretty like much. a lot of the film. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, I think that was deliberate on the part of the director. Um, probably. And I'm going to have a really hard time with this name, but Agnieszka mm -hmm. um, which is, it's fascinating. She's only made a few films. This was quite mm -hmm. an ambitious first time film. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, I did read that she talked about having grown up in the nightclub scene and um, some of the experiences that she had as a young woman. Um, and yeah, it is in incredibly, um, it's not a, it's not a, it's pretty, you know, disturbing, I guess, because they are, not only are they, they, they look underage, but in the film, they are definitely underage and almost everybody knows it and doesn't care. Yeah. There's a there's a scene when they first come in and they're sitting there. It's like it's weird. They're just kind of like laying there naked on the floor, and I'm not. I'm trying to remember. I'm not sure why they. It's like if like they're unconscious or something. Is it because they haven't been near the water? I think what happened there. That scene was. <laughs> this this film is fairly graphic sexually. I would say yeah. more than I had thought it would be. But basically, the nightclub owner, I think, sexually assaults them, and that's what we don't oh. see. Because it, they're getting assaulted by the older band member. Like, they're being assaulted, um, at, you know, taken advantage of. And I think that's what that scene was about. Well, because, like, the guy goes, and they're, they're just kind of like, once one of them is sitting in the chair or on a couch. The other one's laying on the floor, and they both look kind of zoned out. And he's like, look, they're both smooth like Barbie, and he's just kind of like... I mean, they show, like, between their legs, you know, and I'm just like, whoa, what's happening, you know, right. <laughs> and they're just flopping them around and everything, and it's like, ooh, I mean, granted, that's obviously prosthetics of what they did. Which, by the way, the special effects in this were astonishing. 
Um, yeah, they're really good. You know, uh, the surgery scene, you can see that that's a dummy body. You know, sure. I mean, you know, but um, most of it was just great. Um, and there's kind of a lot of special effects in this film. I was sort of surprised. But... Um, go ahead. Well, okay. Uh, when... Is it is it Silver that wants the boy? Yes. Okay. When so when she goes and they do that surgery and it's like a it's it's a shot from the ceiling looking down. There's her and another girl on a gurney. Right. And they cut the girl's lower torso off and cut her tor- lower torso off and they transplant that. So are we supposed to believe that? This is so so trivial. Uh, that the girl that she got the lower torso from was a virgin. What would that have? I don't, I don't, I think she just needed a vagina. I don't think it had anything to do with well, virginity. Well, the reason I say that is because when she finally does start to heal and she has sex with her, the guy that she likes, all of a sudden he's all covered with blood. That's from her scar. Is that what that was yeah, from? Yeah, it's from her okay. midline scar. Like Okay, because it was too soon or... Yeah, like, and I honestly, like, the whole... I mean, the themes in this were great for me, personally. The themes were great. This is a trash mm. podcast. We don't talk about film themes. We talk about, like, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> we're not going to be talking about the themes in Ninja 3, The Domination. Um, How dare you? But the theme that, you know, that men, like, when women sexually mature, that men are both fascinated with and repulsed by women. And they, you know, they both want women's bodies and they're repulsed by them. You know, that that is what that scene was. He was disgusted by her even though she had literally sacrificed a great deal to give him you know a vagina instead of a cloaca or whatever it is whatever the fish thing is that they have the fish thing i I don't know what it's called (laughs) but um no the film was i liked how explicit the film was because that's you know that's what the little the real little mermaid's about is it about it's about men letting down women but um yeah no i i just uh unfortunately as great as this film was in so many ways, um, it was kind of hard for me to, it was kind of boring with all the musical numbers. Um, I, but that's just me and musicals, I think. So, well, I'll, I'll, I'll put it, I'll say this. I I liked it better than I thought I would, which means, you know, I didn't really think I was going to like it at all. Um, I, I think I give it like a six just because it, like I said, it's a beautifully done film. It looks great. Uh, the music, even though I don't like musicals, the, I did like the music. Yeah, it was good music. Um, and the effects were really good. Uh, I just, I think overall it didn't really come together for me. But I, I do think if you're looking for something that's uh, very different, because it, it, it's not like any other film you're going to see. I mean, it's very odd with about like four or five genres mixed together um you know i I think it's worth at least a look yeah i would say it's funny you were like i didn't think i'd like it but i mean how many polish horror musicals have you seen like let's be honest you didn't know what you're in for um i would say if you like musicals especially horror musicals you will like this film um the only reason i didn't is i don't like musicals and this was no exception um, I'm going to give it a six as well. And honestly, it was so ambitious. And I hope the 
the director, the production team, like, I hope we see more out of them because I feel like if they tightened it up, it would have been like that first, the first 15 minutes are astonishing. And then it, it kind of peters out for me. Mm-hmm. I, I think we're kind of in agreement on that. Yeah, we are. <laughs> thing, really? Yeah. It brought us together on it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Well, well, we'll be right back after these messages. That corn when it's freshly bopped. You gotta beat it to the box with the butter on the top. Get with it, man. Start strolling down to the sweets that you're rolling. The best in town. Our candy's real gone, if I'm understood. To all you squares, that means the confection is positively delicious. Cork that stuff. Give me five. Let me send you into this nutty jive. <laughs> Shake it on down to this cool snack bar. Come on, Jill, give us a treat. A friendly pepper upper with a tasty beat. Drink Dr. Pepper, Dr. Dr. Pepper, cause it never lets you down. Frosty, man, frosty. Want to learn more about horror directors? With a lighthearted look at three of their movies, Meet fearless podcaster, Gore Blimey. I've been unsettled by bats in the past and startled by parrots, and I've even been known to jump at the odd cockatoo. Discover horror films that are classics, and others, too. There's a topless aerobics massacre, an exploding rock singer, cannibals, nude martial arts, a deep fried prostitute. But it's not all silliness. You'll get proper movie breakdowns, opinion, and background information, too. Yep, in the 80s and 90s, Jeff Stryker was huge in gay porn. In every sense. So if you're a horror film fan, come and check out the Trilogy of Terror podcast at strangeanddeadly.com or find it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or on your podcatcher. One of those people that has a certain charisma and a certain style, and I'm just hoping one day he'll rub off on me. The Trilogy of Terror podcast, where we try three times harder to give you the willies. And now, on with the show. And we're back with this month's Cherry on Top. Christy is just your typical young woman of the 80s, a telephone lineman by day, aerobics instructor by night. When an evil ninja dies at her feet, the soul of the dead warrior invades her body, forcing Christy to go on a non-stop killing spree to get revenge on the cops who killed him. There's huge perms, throwing stars, hot tub foo, possessed video games, a Japanese exorcist, and the worst police force of all time, as there's plenty of mayhem and Aquanet to go around in Ninja 3 The Domination. He is the most feared and powerful warrior. A ninja who breaks from ancient tradition and explodes onto America. His soul possesses the body of an innocent woman and transforms her into a lethal assassin. I want you to help her! 
Angel. Destroy a ninja. Her only hope is Yamada, the master ninja, who has been sent to destroy him. Where Revenge of the Ninja left off, Ninja 3 begins. An epic struggle of superhuman strength and supernatural forces. Ninja 3, The Domination. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> in there, I did call it the worst police force of all time. I would like to amend that and say the Salem police force is the worst police force of all time, but for the purposes of that synopsis, it'll fit. Okay. <laughs> you, you do know what I'm referring to when I say Salem. No, I mean, I can think of a couple examples. Are you talking about Salem's Lot or what? Uh, no, uh, uh, Days of Our Lives. Oh, I know nothing about Days of Our Lives. No, it, it's hilarious because literally for like 35 years, Stefano Demera did like the, the most horrible things and never once did he serve any jail time ever. Okay. Yeah, there was always some way that he got out of it or... Or he's got all these moles in the police department that, you know, uh, you get rid of evidence. And this It's just, it's ridiculous. Anyway, so <clears throat> Ninja 3, The Domination. Okay, I, I first saw this movie just on a blind watch. Uh, one of those nights when I'm just sitting there, uh, Amazon Prime, let's see what they got. And I'm just scrolling through stuff and I'm like, what the, okay, the poster is her, our heroine, um, with her katana drawn and then above her is like these evil eyes of a ninja and it says he's the ultimate killer, she's the perfect weapon so naturally I said okay I'm watching yeah. this that poster <laughs> I remember that poster from my childhood it's a great poster yes. okay this movie is glorious garbage <laughs> it's so horrible it, it, it is so ridiculous okay so at the beginning you've got this ninja and he's killing people on a golf course and then like the entire police force practically shows up now he gets shot a lot like <laughs> like 50 times yeah a lot and he's still just butchering people left and right. And he's not just, okay, this one guy he kills, and you're like, okay, maybe that guy's just a drug lord or something, right? Oh, no, but then he goes and he kills the girlfriend. And, you know, anybody that's even remotely nearby on the green, then the entire you know, police force shows up. They're all shooting. He, shoot, 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 shoot. He's hit over and over and over, and he never acts like he's injured at all. And then he drills himself into the ground. Yeah. <laughs> he literally... He spins and turns it... He drills no. himself into the ground. First of all, first of all, I was 20 minutes into this film the first time I paused it. I had to, I had to pause this film like 12 times yesterday to get through it. Um, and I come in and I tell Ralph, I tell him some of the events of the first 20 minutes, and I think... <laughs> He could not believe I was only 20 minutes in with how much yeah. stupid shit I was telling him. I was like, and then this <laughs> happened. And, then, and he was like, so, so let's back up for a second and just say, like, <clears throat> when you sent this film, uh, uh, look up on Wikipedia, it says, Christine, a telephone line woman and aerobics instructor. Okay, I'm, yes. I'm already laughing. Okay. <laughs> is, is possessed by the evil spirit of a fallen ninja when coming to his aid. 
So I stopped reading right then because you know how I am about spoilers. So when the ninja is getting shot by, I don't know, like 40 cops, I kept yeah. saying, okay, now he's dead. Okay, now he's dead. And that bitch, yeah. that little bitch, he would just like spring <laughs> up. He would spring up and he's fine. Yeah. And like the scene where he augers himself into the ground is hilarious yes. because he does it somehow in about 30 seconds and you don't see it. And then he's just in this packed earth. And all the yes. I mean, I believe you saw that I posted that to my IG stories because it yes. was so dumb. But like, like okay, so fine. He possess- He dies. He tries to kill her, and then he st- collapses. And then she walks back to him and takes his sword. So okay, she's gonna be possessed. So the next thing yes. we see is she's an aerobics instructor as well as a telephone lineman. Sure. And she's t- and so uh, the '80s liked aerobics, right? Yeah. So she's, they're doing this aerobics, and all of the weightlifting guys are watching the women doing aerobics, and it's sure. packed. And this gym, and I'm putting my air quotes, this gym that they're in is wall-to-wall shag carpet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was so gross. I'm like, this is the grossest <laughs> shit I've ever seen. Then, okay, then she comes out, and there's a weird, um, <laughs> there's a weightlifting rape gang that's, like, hassling a woman. Yes. And so yes. she goes to intervene, and this is when you're going to see her busting out her not very sweet ninja moves. And yes. There's a crowd of 25 people who've wandered out of the aerobic studio, and they're watching this rape gang try to rape her, and everyone's like, hey, buddy. <laughs> I'm like, what the Yeah, what are you doing? Like, it was the silliest. <laughs> it's like, what? What? Like, and this is, again, this is the first 15 minutes of the film. I'm like I. Yeah. I just have to. I have to pace myself. This is too much. Yeah. Well, so okay. So she uh, she gets interviewed by the police because she found that you know he died at her feet or whatever, right. and, and of course that's when he possesses her because he grabs her and he stares at her and you know supposedly inhabits her, but we don't supposedly know that. But she just takes the katana. Which, by the way, why don't the police? Notice that she's taken the weapon. They just figure she can keep it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so she meets this cop uh, who looks like uh, a Steve Carell's less successful oh, brother, man. Toby Toby Carell. And oh. uh, also in that, this guy, oh my God, so much body hair. Yeah. Uh, she He basically harasses her and harasses her and harasses her which apparently uh, she finds charming. And then, oh, okay, well, now I'll be your girlfriend. That was so weird because he is harassing her. And, yeah. And she's annoyed. And then all of a sudden she's like, no, I'm super into him. And she takes him home. And that is one of the most awkward seduction scenes. Oh, yes. The V8 seduction. <laughs> she gets out of the shower in her giant ass 80s towel and puts on like a man's shirt and comes and straddles him on the duvet. To make yeah. out with him. That's fine. Then she takes some V8 juice. I'm going, what? What's going on? <laughs> Look, at, I used to like V8 juice. <laughs> it's, it's over for me now. That's disgusting. <laughs> That's disgusting. I mean, you've seen these scenes done in other movies, right? Where it's like like water or, or, or champagne. Or... Which I'm not into any of that. And V8, that's like, no. Yeah. It, no, it's not that. It's a can of gloppy thick v8 it could have been worse it could have been like clamato yeah 
But see, the thing is, because it's red, it looks like she's covered with blood. It doesn't look good. You know, it, it looks, it's just gross. We need, not... to, we need to montage the awkward seduction scenes because it reminded me of the terrible one in Hide and Go Shriek where the, oh, God. she does that weird sexy dance out of nowhere. But yeah, yes. so it's this weird scene because it's got all of this music and it's, the film is weird. It has a lot of music towards the beginning and then it just kind of abandons the pop music like... Because it gets down to the the ninja killings now. Where yeah, the, the nitty gritty. Um, okay, so of course they have to figure out a way to tell us that she's possessed. So first, they start off with her video game goes berserk. Like who? I, I always thought that was great in in, in um, <clears throat> movies and TV when someone had an arcade game in their house, and uh, she's got one. And bouncer. it starts lighting up and smoking, and um, she's like, "Oh no, oh no, what's happening?" And then, and then the same thing happens with her closet. All this dry ice pouring out of the closet, and and the lights and stuff. And she gets the katana, and now she's possessed. How do we know she's possessed? Because she turns around with horrible slant-eyed kabuki makeup. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Uh, it, 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 they had I mean they really went out of their way to try and make her look like she was like faux Asian yeah and it just it looks so bad and of course the more uh, insane she got the bigger her hair got um, which you know uh, you, you think it can't get any bigger you're wrong because it can one, get even bigger one thing uh, we didn't mention that is important is first of all like this movie is combining so many things the 80s likes. Like, it, uh, I told yeah. you off, I said, this movie thought aerobics was going to be a big deal. Like, this movie is invested in aerobics, first of all. Misfire. Secondly, what <laughs> is with the ninja movies in the 80s? Like, I don't, I didn't, I never resonated with those films, and they made a billion of them. Yeah, that was, canon kind of led the way with those, with the, you know, Ninja 1, Ninja 2, and then, uh, you know, this is Ninja 3, The Domination, which, by the way, has nothing to do with the previous two Ninja films. Right. And then, you know, you had the Michael Dudikoff uh, American Ninja films. Um, and, you know, you had that, that uh, Lee Van Cleef series, The Master. And, uh, there were which just we, so the, many of them, and, and they, the, I don't know, like, I, I don't get it. And then you have the weird cop body count. I'm serious, yes. man. I couldn't. I'm like, how big is this city they live in? Because of how many cops got killed. So she keeps seeing because she's now dating this this dork, and <laughs> she keeps seeing other cops. And then her little possessed brain will remember that that cop was there, you know, shooting yeah. her. So she'll go after that particular cop. That's that's it. That's the plot. That's it. That's all there's to it. The ninja. Yeah, the that's ninja basically has, it's. Yeah, he has no other yeah, plan. It, that's his plan. It's set up, kill, set up, yeah. kill. Um, the thing. Okay, here's something. Now, obviously, I'm thinking way too much about this, but the ninja at the beginning. Why is he killing these people at the golf course? They don't tell you why. Mm -mm. And then, okay, the cops all all those cops show up and shoot him, shoot him, shoot him, shoot him. He must take out like twenty cops or whatever. Um, you're you're told that they're quote unquote bad cops because why? Because they shot him I don't for <laughs> killing a bunch of people. Yeah, I mean they do seem like dirt bags. You see them later, 
like there's the one cop that she kills in the hot tub with the with the uh, the women i i don't know if they're prostitutes or what um but he's in a hot tub with these two women and then she comes in and pretends like she's making out with him and then she kills him and then she kills the other two women like why because what was the point of that murderous that ninja that is the most murderous he's like a he's like a hornet in human form like he is just fucking murderous. Like he doesn't. Yeah, he's taking anyone. them all out. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, well, okay. So now, now we we come down to my favorite dialogue in the film. She, uh, her, her, her cop boyfriend says, "Oh, you should speak to a psychiatrist and see what she has to say." And now I wrote down this dialogue because this is this is an example. Uh, you know, screw you, David Mamet. Uh, <laughs> this is where it's at. Um, she says, you're fine. Other than your exceptional extrasensory perception and obsession with Japanese culture, no harm in that. (laughs) So, you're fine except for your friggin' ESP. Yeah, that's normal. (laughs) So, I have to say, there's two lines of dialogue that stuck out for me. And one is earlier in that conversation when she says... I'm blacking out. I'm waking up with bruises. I feel like someone's making me do things I don't want to do. And he says, yeah. he says, you should do something about that. Yeah. <laughs> but, but my first favorite piece of dialogue is at the beginning when the ninja is just murdering everyone. I mean, he's just slaughtering. And there's a helicopter, of course, because it's an 80s movie. And the ninja <laughs> throws a star and it hits the pilot in the head. And the other yeah. cop turns and goes, I'll get him. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about the, you're, you're dead, Bob. Yeah, he's like, because if I, Tim, if I was hanging out with you in a cockpit and you got a ninja star in your face, I think I would say something like, oh my God. Like, I, I, I wouldn't go, I'll get him. <laughs> so, Don't worry about it. I got this. <laughs> oh, God. Um, okay, so this does have James Hong in it, and I love him. Of course, it does. He, he's wonderful, and he's and he's the exorcist that they call in <coughs> to try and get this ninja spirit out of her body. Right. And the thing that's so great is they've got her. She's tied up with her arms on this this uh, like a a pole that you would use for pull ups, and. During the exorcism, all of a sudden her hair just goes poof, and she gets you know the horrible Asian makeup on, and and starts doing swinging around like she's in a gymnastics meet, <laughs> and doing like, a, like you know the st- the standard exorcist, uh, you know, you know, talking like a monster, and and all, and, and it, I mean, honestly, it's one of the most sublime moments in cinema. Yeah, because she's flipping like a like foosball table, like if you were just yeah. to like spin. <laughs> A foosball figure. Like, just flip, 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 like, super fast. Yeah, she's funny. <laughs> that scene went on forever, man. I feel like I got up and made a hoagie and came back and ate the hoagie, and they were still having that exorcism. It went on. Oh, yeah. And, of course, now, at the beginning of it, you get the impression, like, they, they, they make it, like, okay, like, like uh, James Hong, his character is going to be, like, this, um, uh, he's this wizened character, and... Uh, he, he, he's got the what it takes to get rid of this ninja spirit and everything. And by the end of it, he's just like cringing and crying yeah. in the corner. And you're like, 
he bit Did off more have than to he do that? Chew. Yeah, I don't know. But thank God the white guy was there to, you know, just smack her in the face and now she's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, saying like whatever, you know, in Japanese on the floor, like, like you know, freaking out. But the white guy's like, snap out of it! You know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. So... <laughs> We just got to mention Shokosugi, who was in the other two ninja films, but not yes. totally different characters. Don't there's no there's only the thinnest thread of continuity in this this trilogy. He shows up and he's all mysterious with his eye patch, and he is uh, apparently his family was killed by this piece of shit ninja. So he yeah. he is invested in stopping her, and there there he confronts her. And there's this sort of like hide and seek um, in a abandoned house scene. That also seems to go on for a very long time, um, where he's trying to chase her down. And uh, I can't remember if the boyfriend shows up or not to um, bail her out of that one. <sighs> but we're closing, we're closing in on the end, which is they basically do some kind of trick to get the ninja to inhabit his old body so that he right. and Shokasugi can have a fight. And Yeah, they've, yeah. Got, they've got to have their big showdown. Yeah. Which, um, yeah. yeah. It, it it does kind of run out of steam at the end. Um, it, it did kind of feel like, oh, now what? What do we do? Yeah, there wasn't much of a plot. It was, it was. What what was the ninja gonna do if he had killed the golf course people and and no one had caught him? What was? Did he have a plan for his life? Like, what was his next plan? Because all he does is decide to kill every single cop that he's ever seen. Like, that's his. That's his thing that's what he's up to yeah it's funny because they don't really like i said they don't establish why is he i mean is because you're supposed to feel almost like you're supposed to side with him because these cops are so evil or bad but he's bad too because you see him kill a bunch of people that don't have anything to do with that yeah you know, so it's very. I just no. I just got the vibe like in the eighties. <clears throat> they were they killed a lot of cops in eighties action films. It was like a weird thing, um, and I think that's they were just fodder. They were just cannon fodder. In fact, I, I suspect maybe the director had a discount on cop uniform rentals because there were <laughs> so many freaking cop uniforms in this film. Uh, and well, come on, out of all of those guys playing cops, are you telling me that Jordan Bennett was the handsomest one? Because that just cannot be true. Because that guy was <laughs> like, like nah. What was his name? Like Billy Second? Yeah, he's second or third or fourth. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny because like they have their whole uh, sex scene and he, with the V8. Oh God. And she unbuttons his shirt and everything. I I swear to God, it, 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 he looked like a like a gorilla. I mean, he that guy is so hairy. Yeah, he has <laughs> oh the shoulder God. the shoulder hair too. Mm-hmm. But you know, a lot of men have shoulder hair, and like these days, they, they all have to. They're all required to wax it off or whatever. So, if if I had that, I would definitely <laughs> do that. You would not be comfortable with that, huh? No, God, no, no. <laughs> Uh, I I'm very glad that uh, uh, I I am not a hairy person. Um, hey, everybody wanted to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> You're welcome, America. Right. 
so <laughs> what do you give uh, Ninja 3 the domination? I guess, like, I'm going to give it a five because there's so much enthusiasm the first third of the film. Um, but I just, it, it was really hard to get through. It took me a long time, and it was only like an hour and 35 minutes, and I just couldn't, couldn't keep watching, so... I definitely see why it's got a cult following. It has got some really hilarious moments in it. <laughs> uh, it definitely does. Um, <clears throat> I am going to give it uh, an 8. <laughs> because you I've, I've watched this so many times. And I, well, originally... The main thing, other than the sheer goofiness of it, the, the main thing maybe watch is because I just was in love with Lucinda Dickey. Um, I just thought she was adorable. But um, it's just, it's such a, a silly yeah. movie. It, it, it's trying to cash in on, on the ninja craze, uh, flash dance, uh, you know, uh, stuff like uh, The Exorcist. Um it, it's just it's it's just a, a a huge mess, and I loved every minute of it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I I give it an eight just because it it's just such a silly, uh, goofy, earnest kind of film that the kind of film that you don't get a lot now, um, <laughs> where it's just super over the top and and goofy, but they you can tell that they really had a good time making it. Yeah, I mean that. There was a scene or two that reminded me of Miami Connection, which I think yes. is one of the most enthusiastic, earnest, and kind of wholesome martial arts films I've ever seen. And I'm just a massive fan. We've talked about it on the show. But um, yeah, this film's a little seedier um, than Miami Connection or whatever. But uh, yeah, I can, if you're, if you like martial arts, or especially if you like ninja films, and and you go into this knowing that it's fairly silly. Um, I think you'll have a great <laughs> great time with it. Um, it. It is funny though, like you were saying, it's like you know, it's not like okay when once she gets possessed by the ninja, it's not like she's got like these killer moves. Not really. No, I mean she's just she seems when you see like that fight scene when she she uh, defends the, the the girls being attacked by the gang raping gang. Um, it, it she seems very slow <laughs> to me. Yeah, well, and they just kind of stand there and wait for the kick to come. And uh, she does she does much better when she's all um, in her ninja outfit and there's a stunt person under there. <laughs> right? Yes, yeah. yes, but it's clearly not her. Is when she the moves all of a sudden seem a lot faster yeah. and a little more elaborate. And uh, but uh, yeah, it is funny because you can tell there's a couple of scenes when she kills some of the cops and she's got the ninja outfit on. You can tell it's not her, yeah. except for when they do a close-up on her. Then they have her eyes. Well, that you was know, just like ma for the our favorite master ninja, you know, where Lee Van yes. Cleef puts on his ninja outfit and all of a sudden his paunch disappears while he's running around. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, there's a fit guy under that outfit. But yeah. <laughs> well, there was also I remember a scene where she runs and jumps and pulls herself up on a tree and I was like that whoever did that is quite fit and that was not her those were some pretty broad shoulders like pulling up on the just like rooting yeah. up the branch so but you know uh, we're used to that and you know I want to say one more thing about ninja films um yeah we were 
chatting last night. We were texting, and I was like, why have I seen American Ninja? Like, I, I don't... No, wait. Ninja Assassin. Ninja Assassin. I, yes. I think it came out in, like, 2009. And I realized I watched it because I had a crush on the um, Korean pop star Rain. <laughs> like, and he, <laughs> he, like, he trained and... He got all buff and trained and trained and trained. And, you know, I seem to remember that was kind of a fun film. And that one also has Sho Kasugi. So if you like Sho Kasugi, he's in a lot of stuff. Um, you should you should watch Ninja Assassin, which also has Naomi Harris. And I don't know. It was kind of fun. Um, so, but yeah, ninja films are not my thing. So, Yeah. <laughs> Ah, well, okay. So uh, that's it for this time, fellow lovers of fine cinema. If if you'd like to get a hold of us, and why wouldn't you, uh, write to us at moviemark1 at att.net. You can follow our ramblings and bizarre posts on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter feeds. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. Uh, Until next time, when our picks will be from our social distancing playlist, remember, with great power comes great responsibility. And we'll see you next time. All right. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Here's a little number I tossed off recently in the Caribbean. Isn't it awfully nice to have a penis? Isn't it frightfully good to have a dong? It's swell to have a stiffy. It's divine to own a dick. From the tiniest little tadger to the world's biggest prick. So three cheers for your Willie or John Thomas. Hooray for your one-eyed trouser snake. Your piece of pork, your wife's best friend, your Percy or your cock. You can wrap it up in ribbons. You can slip it in your sock. But don't take it out in public or they will stick you in the dock and you won't a come a bag. Oh, thank you very much. Oh, what a frightfully witty song. Miles, I feel so horny.